Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I want to welcome you to another week in this series entitled Overcome. We've been working our way through this series since Easter, so that makes this the third week that we're on this. And this whole series has been about uh, anxiety, trying to identify it, asking the question, what does God have to say about it? And then does God have a prescription for dealing with anxiety in our lives? And what is it? Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that uh, we found in uh, Philippians chapter 4 that there is a prescription, what you would call an acronym, where every letter represents something, and so C-A-L-M, and if you haven't been here for the last two weeks, I need to catch you up, and so let me just kind of show you the acronym, and then we're going to work through a little bit of this today. Uh, In Philippians chapter 4, we found out that God's prescription for dealing with anxiety, first of all, the C stands for celebrate God's goodness. And so we said that we needed to hit the pause button every once in a while in our lives and just remember what God has done for us, to remember how he has blessed us, and he's blessed us tremendously, and so often we forget that because life goes on. Now, the second one we talked about last week was asking God for help, and what we found out is that God says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I want to help you carry all those anxieties, all the worries, the things that you deal with every day in your life. But so often we never go to him. We never ask him for his help until we're like on the last thread. And then finally we'll hit our knees and we'll cry out to God. And, and what we said last week is we wanted you to be proactive in prayer, in, in asking for God's help, to, for asking him to step in, intervene, to be a part of what's going on in your life. And so I hope you took that challenge seriously last week. This week, we're going to look at leave your concerns with him. And then uh, hopefully you'll come back next week because we're going to be talking about meditating on good things next week. Today, uh, as I said, we're going to talk about this third one. Leave your concerns with him. And I'll tell you, I think of all the steps, this is probably the biggest one. Uh, It's probably one of the hardest ones, but it's also, I think, one that has one of the greatest benefits with it. Uh, We'll talk about that here in a minute, but let me just tell you, if you'll dive into this with us today and learn how to leave your concerns with him, I believe this is the step that takes you from a warrior to a warrior within your life and the way that you attack those struggles that you go through when it comes to anxiety. And so today... I want to tell you just how we're going to handle today. So I'm just going to give you everything up front so you know what's coming. I don't do this very often, but here's what's going to happen. We're actually going to turn to the passage that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks. We're going to spend some time taking a look at this second verse. We're also going to uh, hopefully share with you how you can do a better job of casting all of your cares on him, just leaving your concerns with God. And then I'm going to show you that there's a great takeaway. There's a trade-off that happens if you learn how to do that, and it's definitely worth your time. And then at the end of the message, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of invitation, which just means that we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ if you've never received Christ before. Let me tell you why we're doing that. 
Because all of these steps are impossible without a relationship with Jesus Christ. It all starts when you receive him as Lord and Savior, you receive his free gift of salvation, and you begin this journey or this walk with Jesus. And so uh, we have gotten some questions in the past, and, and my first question is always, is Jesus the Lord of your life? That's the first question because that's where it starts. And so I know from my conversations that are, there are some that have not made that step. Today needs to be that step. You need to take that step today. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. And then after that, what we're going to do is we're going to pass communion. We're going to have a song together. And then we're actually going to take communion corporately today as a whole body. And so this is what's going to happen. It's going to just unfold that way. And so I want to jump into it right away. So let's go to the passage. Uh, if you brought your Bibles with you today, turn over to Philippians chapter 4. We're looking at verses 6 and 7 today. Those are the two verses. We're going to hang in those two verses for most of the morning, verses 6 and 7. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, those guys will hand you one. It is our gift to you. Just put your name in it. Head over to Philippians chapter 4 with us today. Now, um, as we get going, let me just tell you, I think one of the most damaging phrases in all of the English language is if only, if only. And so many of us, we struggle with that phrase, if only. See, we think that the good life is one if only away, one purchase, one relationship, one romance, one transition, one job. If only this one thing would happen, our life would be good. And if that's you, if that's what you believe, let me just tell you, I think we've identified probably one of the greatest sources of anxiety that you have because you're working hard to accomplish this if only and you're worried that it's never going to happen. And with that comes a ton of anxiety, a ton of stress. You find yourself working longer hours. You're taking off on more debt than you should. You, you accept projects you probably should have turned down. You pile up the responsibilities. And all of this leads to more stress, more debt, longer uh, days, shorter nights. And by the time you're all done with it, you have nothing left. You're worried about every aspect of life. And we go, well, this is all just part of the good life, right? This is what gets us to that place where life gets good. And I would tell you that I think the Apostle Paul would disagree with you. I think the Apostle Paul, if he is here today, he would tell us that uh, the good life doesn't depend on circumstances changing, but it depends on our attitude toward those circumstances changing. So it has everything to do with our attitude and not so much about the circumstances that we're going through. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Did I give you enough time to get there? Are you there? Okay, take a look at verse 6. Here's, uh, here's how it kicks off. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, we covered some of this last week. As you know, if you were here, we, we dwelt right in this area. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This was our challenge last week about praying prayers. And we said we need to ask God for help by praying prayers that are specific. And we said we needed to pray prayers that were wrapped around promises that we see in Scripture. If you missed the last two weeks, you need to go back and listen to the last two podcasts and get caught up. Because that challenge, I, I think, at least from what I heard this morning from, from those of you that shared, that had a big impact on your week. You found yourself 
praying a lot more this last week and praying specifically and having more conversations with God and feeling like he was releasing you from some of the worry and stress as you walked into family situations, business situations, meetings, whatever it was for you. And so we've gotten some great feedback from that. Not surprising because this is what God calls us to do. This is what he wants from us. It's just a, a question of whether we're doing it or not. And so today, I want to I challenge you as we, we move through this passage, because I think there's uh, some amazing insight in this passage that so often we read and we miss. And so the challenge today is to leave your concerns with him. And, and I want to tell you, the trade-off, and again, here I am, I'm just going to give it to you up front so you know where I'm going. I'm not hiding anything this morning. Uh, I want you to know that the trade-off is really what I want to point your attention to because it is such a big deal. See, when we learn how to leave our concerns with God, what happens is we leave our concerns with God and He gives us His peace. Isn't that what we really desire anyway? Especially those of us that struggle with anxiety, we just want some peace in our life. And God says, look, give it to me. Let me carry it for you and I'll give you my peace. Now, I know the question then is, well, how does that happen? How do we do that? Well, I think the way that we do that is actually buried in the, the two verses that we read. It's right in the middle. I don't know if you caught it, but this is what it said. Thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. Sometimes we slide right over that phrase and we don't even think about it. We're just getting to, hey, God's peace will guard our hearts and minds. But we need to know that the way that happens is we begin to thank God for all that he's done. Now, what that means is we develop uh, a heart of gratitude. Uh, we, we cultivate gratitude within our lives to where it just flows out of us. We can't help ourselves but to constantly be thanking God for everything that he's done in our lives. And I'll tell you that gratitude is a, is a mindful awareness of the benefits in life. It, it is an amazing virtue if you can get your hands on it and hang on to it. And even scientific studies are showing that people who are grateful, there's all kinds of advantages. There's positive effects in our lives when we find ourselves in a grateful attitude. Uh, actually, people who have a grateful heart are more empathetic and they're more forgiving than other people. People who learn how to be grateful are, are more likely to have a positive outlook on their life. People who develop and, and cultivate a, a grateful heart, they demonstrate less envy, less materialism, and less uh, self-centeredness than most people around them. People who are grateful, they actually improve their self-esteem. They have higher self-esteem than the people around them. They, they enhance their relationships because they're grateful and it becomes a magnet. People want to be around them because of that. They have better quality of sleep. They, they have longevity. And we can just go on and on. But the idea is that this, this idea of being grateful or, or having gratitude as part of our life is actually almost like a miracle cure for us. It'll change everything. If we could just put it in a pill and give it to every one of us, we would be different tomorrow if we would learn to be grateful. Now, because of all that, I don't think it's a surprise that God, when he writes out his prescription for dealing with anxiety, includes a large dose of gratitude because he knows what this is going to do for us. And so I want us to pay attention to that today. We need to thank him for all he has done and learn to make this a regular thing for us. Now, I want you to think about your own life just for a minute. Think about all the great things in your life, the, the things that God has blessed you with. Do you have friends? 
Do you have like really good friends? Do you have family, family that you love? Have you experienced God's love and his grace and his forgiveness? Have you experienced those types of things? Do you have gifts, abilities, talents, skills? See, I want you to notice what happens when you start to focus on being grateful for things. Anxiety tries to slip out the back door. And the the reason for that is because it's impossible for anxiety and for gratitude to share the same mind space. It can't happen. It's impossible. When you start to be grateful, anxiety runs from that. Gratitude, all gratitude is, is just focusing more on what you have and less on what you don't have. And so I think Paul, in this chapter, modeled that to every one of us. And if you flip down just, or go down just to verse 11, I want to show you what I mean by that. This is what he writes. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Remember we said in week one, he says, I've learned. It means that that's not natural. That's not something that is just given to us. We have to teach ourselves how to be grateful, how to be content. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or a little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He says, you got to learn this. you got to teach yourself how to do it. And then he uses this little phrase. I love this. He says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. See, secret, by definition, is a bit of information or knowledge that's not commonly known. And so it's like, not everyone knows this. I want to share it with you. It's a secret. And so I want to give this to you. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. If Christ is a part of it, it doesn't matter what comes. I can do everything through him. This is a secret. Not everyone knows it, but I want you to know this. And so he writes it down for us. And see, Paul is writing this uh, 2,000 years ago because people were discontented. They wanted a better life. They wanted better things. They wanted respect. They wanted a better job. I don't think things have changed in 2,000 years. See, even our society today tells us all the same things that Paul's did 2,000 years ago. He, it says, hey, um, you want happiness? You want joy? You want contentment? Well, that all depends on what you drive or what you deposit into your account or what you wear or what you spray on your body. It's amazing how we're sold on all these ideas on what can actually bring us happiness. Just by watching the TV, it's incredible to me. And we buy into every bit of it. And see, the problem with that is when we buy into it, that's called materialism. And the problem with materialism is when we define ourselves by what we have and by the stuff in our lives, we're happy when we have a lot of it, and we're not when we don't. And guess which side of that you're on most of the time? See, we never have enough. If you don't believe me, I think you just think about the cycle of everyone's life, and this, this cycle is so predictable. Think about when you were a preteen. What did you need to make you happy? man, if I could just get out of this house, right? If I could just get out from under the rule of my parents, I'd be happy. If I could just get a car, 
If I could just get out of school and then the next season of life rolls around, if I could just get my degree, if I could just get that job, if I could just find that spouse, if we could just have those kids, if we could just get that new job or that promotion, or if we could just retire. See, it never ends. It goes on and on. And and you know what that's called? It's called contingent contentment. We're, We're content but it's all contingent on something or someone. And the problem with that is that's a moving target. Everything moves. Uh, The problem with contingent contentment is it turns us into anxious people. It turns us into anxious people. We're always anxious because whatever it is that we're trying to get is eluding us. And and if we ever achieve it, if we ever uh, are able to secure it, guess what? There's always a next level. There's always another step. And we'll never be content. But there's a better way to do it. See, Paul says that he learned how to be content with whatever he had, whether it was great or small. And this is a peculiar statement, considering if you were here a couple weeks ago, you heard us talk about when he's writing this, he's actually in chains. He's in prison. And he writes, he pens these words while he's in chains in prison. And, And I'm sure we'd be sitting there going, what are you talking about, Paul? How can you be content in this situation? Do you know how? He tells us, he says, look, what what I have in Christ is greater than anything that I do not have in life. That's what he says. Paul says, look, I can do everything through Christ. It doesn't matter what else is going on around me. His his highest goal, his highest desire was to know Christ and know him to the fullest. Everything that he needed for satisfaction was found in Jesus Christ. That's called Christ-based contentment. And here's what's great. Even though contingent contentment turns us into anxious people, Christ-based contentment turns us into strong people. Why? Because it's built on Christ. And Christ is not a moving target. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. And here's the great thing about it. When you build your contentment in Christ, it can't be taken away from you. The joy and the satisfaction that you find in him can't be taken away from you. Since nobody can take away your Christ, nobody can take away your joy or your happiness. Well, what about death? No, because Jesus overcame death as well. Uh, What about failure? No, because Jesus is bigger than any sin that you would ever commit. What about betrayal? No, Jesus said he'll never leave and never forsake us. What about sickness? No, Jesus said, whether it's on this side of heaven or the other side, that I'm going to be healed. What about disappointment? Even though plans don't always turn out the way that I want them to, I know that God's will will always be brought about. See, death, failure, betrayal, sickness, disappointment, none of those can take our joy because they can't take our Jesus from us. Now, I think you have to you have to understand that this is what Paul's teaching and this is what he desires for each and every one of us, that we're not pursuing things, we're not pursuing titles, but we're pursuing Christ and Christ alone. And in that, we find our satisfaction. In that, we find stability. In that, we find somebody who can take our concerns and give us his peace. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. And when we find that place, when we understand the secret that Paul was trying to teach us, then what ends up happening is what you have in Christ is greater than anything that you don't have in life. This is his goal for us. This is his desire as he's penning this this letter while he's sitting in prison. And see, all of this starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
for those of you that don't know Christ, you've never received him as Lord and Savior, I know this sounds odd to you because you think there's so much more to life, but let me tell you, there's not. It's Christ and Christ alone. Everything else comes after that. And if you, if you put that in the right priority, you will find yourself happier, more satisfied than you've ever been with a purpose and a goal in your life like you've never had before. It changes everything when you get those priorities straight. See, Jesus can give you a happiness that can never be taken away from you. He gives you a grace that never expires, and he gives you wisdom that is ever-increasing. You can't get that anywhere else. If you're still in that mindset of if only, if only, if only, and Jesus is sitting there going, if only, I've already done it all for you. And I give it to you free. I'm offering it to you. I just want you to take it. I think so often Jesus is going, if only, if only you would just receive this. But we're stuck in the, if only this would happen, if only that would happen. And if only is the Petri dish in which anxiety thrives, and we've got to get rid of it out of our lives. See, when sailors talk about um, winds and rain and waves and all these things that come together that, that create a uh, storm which they would consider impossible to survive, they refer to it as the perfect storm. Uh, not perfect in that it's ideal, but perfect in the fact that there's all these uh, contributing factors that come together at one time that you normally wouldn't see. It's not just the fact that it's driving rain, but it's the fact that it's being pushed by hurricane force winds. And not just because it's rain and winds, but then it creates these big massive waves and it creates this perfect storm. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever experienced a perfect storm in your life? See, one thing you can handle, one thing you might be able to overcome, but it doesn't happen that way, does it? It seems like when one thing happens, then you have a second, and then you have a third. It's not just the layoff, but it's the recession. It's not just the disease, but it's a job transfer. It's not just a relationship breakup, but it's a, a, a college refusal. It seems to pile up on us. Have you ever experienced the perfect storm? Some of you, I think, might be in the middle of it right now. See, if it was just the waves, you could deal with it. But it's the winds and the rain, and everything at one time, and it causes us to question, are we going to survive this? Can we make it through this or not? And I think if you were asking the question, Paul would answer you this way in verse 7. He would say, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Uh, note that he doesn't say, God will give you some peace. Or he'll give you peace from God. That's not what it says. It says God's peace or the peace of God in some of your translations. That's what it says. It's not just peace from God, but it's the peace of God. It's not a peace that is based upon anything you've done, not because of how much you deposited in your account or because you hold some position that you think nobody can touch. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with being given to you from God from above. And that's it, not because we deserve it, but because we desire in this moment to give our lives over to Christ, to leave our concerns with him. And he gives us his peace. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, Jesus promised that he was going to give us his peace. 
The same peace that calmed his heart when he was falsely accused. The same peace that steadied his voice when he was talking to Pilate. The same peace that kept his thoughts clear and his heart pure as he hung on the cross and paid for our sins. It's that peace, the peace of Jesus, that he extends to us when we leave our concerns with him. When we leave our concerns with him, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's our Savior. And when we make him our Savior, God takes responsibility for us. God takes responsibility for the hearts and minds of those who believe in him. Every one of us. As we celebrate his goodness, as we ask for his help, and as we leave our concerns with God, God begins to form a fortress around our hearts and minds that helps us protect us from the the attacks of the evil one. That's what this says. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Again, this is about a relationship with Jesus. See, as the summer rolls up on us here, uh, pastor Hunter, our youth pastor, has been putting together all these youth programs and camps and Christ and Youth Conference and all these things that are coming up. And what happens for many of you parents is you're going to show up with your, your teens and you're going to turn them over, but there's a bunch of documentation that you have to fill out before they can go on the trip. And that documentation, in short, just says this. This person is responsible for my kid. That's all it says. So if they break an arm or if they break out in measles or whatever it is, We know who's responsible for that kid. Can I say that when you turn your life over to Christ, he signs the documents of your life. God says, this is mine, and I take responsibility for them, and I am responsible for their heart and mind. I guarantee them, I I put them in my hands, regardless of what storms come their way. They're mine. And I'll never leave them. And I'll never forsake them. But see, you have to to do your part. You have to leave your concerns with them. And the hard part is is leaving it with them and not taking it back, isn't it? Because so often we try to pull it back. But see, the trade-off is when we give God our concerns, He gives us His peace. If you really want His peace, you have to leave your concerns with Him but it all starts with a relationship. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.